0: Hi, Spring fans, welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday afternoon? It is Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022. As I record this, I'm so very excited to talk to you today. Uh, I just got back from Southeast Asia. You know, I was there uh, for. The better part of three weeks, actually. And uh, Tammy and I just returned on the weekend. It was fun. Oh, my goodness. It was so good to be back in Asia. Well, part of Asia. And, uh, you know, to to uh, reconnect with old friends and to see uh, the community there. That was actually my first community event in Malaysia, right? Malaysia is a, a beautiful country with amazing food. And uh, I've been there many times um, uh, because, of course, my, my partner is a Malaysian Chinese uh, ethnically, you know. So, like... I've been there. I've just never been there for a community event. Um, Goodness knows I would have loved to have been. Uh, And this was the first time I got to speak to organizations there. And I did a giant event in Kuala Lumpur uh, on the, what is it, like Friday night on a rainy, traffic-riddled Friday night. A few hundred people uh, poured into this little tiny room and uh, uh, came out to see me talk about the latest and greatest in... Uh, the wonderful world of spring and boy did we have fun I mean there was uh you know it was two hours and uh lots of lots of silliness and jokes and fun and ah uh, i just I just had so much fun it was a lot of fun I really appreciate everybody that came out and made it so um I was uh i I caught tammy and I caught something of a of a, of a flu right like um uh and so mercifully we were there for a good while and there was a bit of a a lull between visit so I was we were able to stay home and just get better you know um but there was a miserable week in there in between you know be, between uh events where I was just you know so so sick i mean it wasn't like a it wasn't covid we tested that every which way from sunday and didn't feel like it either i i've had covid before uh and this wasn't that it was like a flu a proper honest to goodness flu and wouldn't you know it by the way this is just another example of me being too smart by half right uh i I got the newest latest and greatest bivalent covid vaccine the one that uh, is, is targeting the more recent omicron variants and um, uh, and they offered me a flu vaccine I said oh well I'll come back and get that like end of November thanks because I want that to last through the winter when I'm more when I'm most likely to get the flu uh, <laughs> and so uh, and so then I traveled to Southeast Asia where by the by it is warm I mean it, it is super warm it's uh it's uh you know humid and hot and sweltering, so you're not, it's not winter weather there, you're not wearing snow mittens or anything like that, you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and you take a shower when you land, and you can't dry off until you get home three weeks later, that's how humid it is there, right, it's just, you'll never be dry, and, um, you know, uh, that's, that was fine, you know, I was like, I was like, why would I be worried about getting the flu there, uh, and boy, was I stupid, so I, I should have gotten that flu vaccine, is what I'm trying to say, I really, I really, <laughs> I uh, I walked right into it, and, uh, it sucked. I'm still a little congested, you know? Like, this is now three weeks hence, and, uh, still a little phlegmy. Every morning I wake up and spit out some stuff, so... It's no fun. I haven't had a proper, honest-to-goodness flu in decades. You know, long, long time. I don't get flus very often. Mostly because I do a good job of taking my vaccines, I suppose. But, uh, this time, oh boy. I, I... I did it to myself, so... Anyway, I'm feeling better. Uh, back... I'm glad to be home, I'll tell you that. Um good to be home. Uh a lot has happened, my friends, in the last few weeks. You may have seen the sad news that we changed Spring One to become a virtual event uh run in January instead of the in-person event that we were hoping to have uh this December. That's a bit of a pity, but it's uh, you know, understandable given the uh sort of greater circumstances. Um and uh, more more interestingly, more positively, yesterday, the 16th of November, Besides being National Botox Day here in, in the states, which is I you know I can't believe that's a thing, uh, but it, yesterday we also released Spring Framework Six. Now, Spring Framework Six is a new generation. It's a new foundation uh, for Spring applications, and it represents a a sea tide change uh, in the way people build applications today. Right? It is uh, it's it's interesting in so far as it is. Uh, Innovative and it embraces lots of new, uh, interesting paradigms and opportunities um, out in the ecosystem, right? So, one of them is, uh, CRAC, C R A C, right? C R A C is a, a specification. It's a, a, uh, an idea um, to introduce kind of a life cycle to Java applications, right? So, um, it stands for coordinated restore at checkpoint, and it, in the same way that uh, EJBs and Android apps have a, a passivation state where you kind of wind down what you're doing and write out, write out state so that you can then start up very quickly again the next time around. Um, this specification purports to offer that for you know regular old Java apps running on the server side or, or in any context really. And the idea is that um, you can have something smart enough to do something with that contract to then save that context off and then make it available hydrated when you start up again. And so, of course, this was put forward at first uh, by Azul Systems, who are, you know, famously uh, the makers of some of the fastest JVM technology on the planet, right? That's their whole uh, thing. Their whole gimmick is they provide a JVM that is not just a JVM, but it's fast and it can be counted on being fast. In fact, they sold a... uh, uh, A... What's it called? Uh, not an, uh, It's a. It's a box. It's a machine. Um, oh gosh. What's the word? You know. You. You. You know what I'm talking about. It's a. It's a. It's a device. Uh, oh, like the way you would describe a DVR or something. It was. It was not meant to be tinkered with. It was just something you installed and it just worked. Uh, and it was a server, but it had its own um, hardware-based JVM basically, and it was. It worked in concert with a JVM to offer you know, insane amounts of memory, right? What would you change in your architecture if your JVM application could allocate and address, you know, 100 gigs of RAM, right? Yeah, without garbage collection pauses and all that. So this was a very interesting um, thing. It worked quite nicely and, uh, you know, I suppose it's still out there, but they've since gone into just pure play JVM land as well. And, you know, they're the the company is filled with uh, Java luminaries like Gil Tene and uh, Simon Ritter both of whom, by the way, have been on this show. Um, And, uh, you know, they're just people that work in the bowels of the JVM. I just, I I love their stuff. I love what they do. I love all the things they put out there in the ecosystem. So we have introductory sort of preliminary support for for CRAC, C-R-A-A-C, in Spring Framework 6. We also have preliminary support for Project Loom. Now, again, this is preview support um, uh, in that Project Loom isn't yet GA, right? And still subject to change. So we can't really mark ours as final just yet. Um, we are also we also have uh, preliminary support for I mean not preliminary support we have actual support for Java seventeen so Java seventeen is here um, and it is the required baseline for Spring Framework six right and so obviously Java nineteen is now here also right we don't have to wait all that long uh, you know it's already a year old now so it's a it's a new baseline just be aware of that you know it's I don't think it's all that much to ask to, for people to use a one-year-old JVM already. Um, you know, three versions behind, right? Java 17, 18, and 19 have all come and gone, and we're close to Java 20 as, as of this recording. So that's the new baseline, and it's an amazing opportunity for people to move, finally, 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 away from Java 8 and to a new and amazing uh, runtime. This new release also supports the new Jakarta EE 10 uh, APIs at in spots, or at the very least Jakarta EE 9. Um, so there are some parts like the web stuff that supports Java EE 10, uh, but but we already have support for Java. Java. Jakarta EE 9 is the baseline. And this is important because remember, there's been a package change, a namespace change. All the new code uh, is in the Jakarta package, Jakarta asterisk, not javax asterisk. Um, so that's, you know, it's gonna be a small, tiny irritation. It's not something that we can control. Um, but it's just a find and replace, right? It's easy enough to do. You just find and replace Javax with Jakarta and then everything else is fine. And uh, remember, the reason for this change is not technical, it's political, uh, but from a, political, from a technical perspective, once you've made this change, you're, you're you're good to go. And now the Jakarta EE projects are in a, in a place where they can start uh, releasing new things again, right? So that's exciting. Finally, 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 at long last after more than half a decade of kind of a, a latency, and idleness uh, these specifications will start to pick up steam and hopefully we'll see changes to things like the servlet spec and jms uh, and jpa and uh, validation and so on another big feature in spring framework 6 uh, is declarative clients the ability to use an interface in the way that you would have with spring cloud openfane uh, and spring Retrosocket and spring cloud square retrofit uh, to build a client for http or rsocket based services you provide a, uh, an interface with some annotations Uh, and it gives you a working bean of that interface type that you can inject that will actually let you make those network calls right so that's exciting Uh, we also have support for problem details this is the um rfc 7807 it's a way of specifying in a consistent fashion the errors for http json apis Uh, and of course we have new support for micrometer right the micrometer tracing module, right? Before, you could use Spring Cloud Sleuth, which sat atop Spring Cloud, which sat atop Spring Boot, which sat atop Spring Framework, which in turn depended on Micrometer. You could use Spring Cloud Sleuth to do tracing at the very top of the abstraction stack, and then you could use Micrometer for metrics at the very bottom of the abstraction stack. Uh, But this was asymmetrical, first of all. Uh, And second of all, it meant that because Spring Cloud Sleuth ultimately depended on Spring Framework, that Spring Framework couldn't depend on Sleuth and therefore instrument itself for tracing, right? Because you'd get a circular dependency. So that's all been fixed. There's a new tracing module in micrometer that we've pushed the abstraction down to that level. Now everything atop it uh, can depend on it. And there's a new observation API. There's also an annotation, but there's an observation type with a static method that you can use called create not started that you can use to both emit metrics and handle trace information. So really exciting stuff. Um, I w- go ahead, try it out start.spring.io, get the bits. And by the by next Thursday, Which is, by the way, Thanksgiving here in the United States. Uh, So happy Thanksgiving to you all. I'm, as always, eternally grateful for you, thankful for you, and I appreciate you, our dear wonderful community. Um, uh, That next Thursday, uh, we'll also be, we'll also see the release of Spring Boot 3.0, which builds on Spring Framework 6. So check all that out. And of course, the biggest thing, you know, I'm really excited about uh, all of this. Is there's this foundational new AOT. Lifecycle and engine uh, in Spring Framework 6 and Spring Boot 3 to support GraalVM native images, and that's the big major theme in the way that reactive programming was sort of the major through line between all the releases from Spring Framework 5 onward. Uh, So too is AOT the major theme for Spring Framework 6 onward. Right. So if you want to do GraalVM native images and you want support for Spring Data, Spring Batch, Spring Security, Spring Data, Spring Integration, Spring Boot you know, everything, right? We've worked on that for the last several years. That's what's, uh, that's the culmination of all this in Spring Boot uh, 3.0 and it pulls together all these major pieces. Spring Cloud will follow not too long after that and it'll include AOT support for its uh, various pieces as well. So it's a really exciting time. Um, yeah, like I said, check out the bits, start.spring.io. My friends, today's guest is Trisha Gee, who is a legend, a, a, a legend in the ecosystem. One of my Biggest heroes. She's a she's a legendary engineer. Worked at amazing organizations like LMAX and MongoDB and JetBrains and and so on. Uh, she has been a leader, an engineer, a teacher, a mentor uh, to countless people in the ecosystem. She's a Java champion like me, uh, and um, you know I just I'm honored to call her a friend and a mentor. Uh, just I just had a wonderful conversation. It's a it's a crying shame that I didn't get to have her on the show before. We've talked about it. She's just very very busy um she's got two new books heads first java and getting to know intellij idea out at the same time contemporaneous with each other uh that's what i mean by busy you know so friends enjoy this episode i hope you learned something um you know i always do when i talk to her always so it's just been it was just a lot of fun enjoy and happy thanksgiving I, I never get it right. Oh, this thing is so baffling to me. Uh, <laughs> Technology is so difficult. It is very difficult, and I'm not all that smart, you know. And uh, um, it's a good thing I've never built my brand pretending the idea that I'm, you know, particularly intelligent. Because yeah, I, I mean, I'm just barely scrapping. But you know, I'm just I'm, I don't know. I, so the 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 fact that any of these podcasts go out at all successfully is just a small wonderful, small wonder for me, you know uh yeah but okay you can hear me I can hear you uh, can you introduce yourself so I don't butcher it
1: hello I'm Tusha G i am trisha gi am a what I'm a Java champion developer advocate currently well I guess I'm currently unemployed but I'd like to say I'm on sabbatical <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> independent of uh, of employment right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well that's a good I mean you know it's good to reset actually you're one of those you're one of those people where every time i talk to you for a number of years and then um i think the last few years you've been at up until about a year ago you were at uh uh jet which is mm-hmm. not a bad place to be of course um right. but before that you had what i like to think of as like real jobs doing like <laughs> like like uh you know you and me uh we we've you've last worked and i still to my constant uh surprise, still work in uh, developer advocacy. But before that, you had like real jobs, right? Like, uh, uh, right. You were doing well. I, I mean, I, because I, okay, let me try. Let me try again. I for I remember when I, I think I remember when I first met met you, or at least uh, had spent time talking to you, and I was at, at a DevOps UK, sat around a big table, a round table, and I think you had just you were at MongoDB or something like that, or
1: yeah, I did, uh, I did two years at MongoDB. Um, yeah. And uh, I was working at MongoDB when you and I were doing YAO, I think, if I recall correctly. Oh,
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: And Is that before, the table then? I don't know. Prob- I don't know. We probably met at DevOps UK as well, because we would have met at a bunch of these conferences because we all go sure. to the same conferences. And then before, so oh, I did well. two years at MongoDB, uh, that was 2012 to 2014, I think. And then before that, I worked at LMAX, which is a financial trading exchange in London, did four years there. That was like, that was a proper job. That was like the first time. So i had been developing Java for like 10 years before then for a lot of companies doing lots of interesting stuff. But like this is the first time where I actually used my computer science degree. I was like, oh, big O (laughs) notation. That's what it means. That's what it's for. (laughs) But when you write high performance Java, suddenly it matters like how many times you loop over a data structure. Yeah, Um, yeah. And suddenly it matters like whether the the, the CPU has to uh, gets cash misses and all these things, and it was like really eye-opening, and it was just a huge step in my career from being like an adequate uh, you know normal developer doing stuff which is kind of interesting and fixing problems to being like, "Holy crap, I need to learn stuff, you know right. <laughs> and, um, and that's kind of what that projected me onto the developer advocacy because I was like, "Oh, I really like learning stuff." and more than that, yeah. I really like telling other people the stuff that I learned in like probably in a shorter form. Like here's here's the TLDR. Like and here's where you can find out more if you want to. And that's kind of how I ended up getting into advocacy.
0: So let's talk about so okay before we skip ahead to the to the latest advocacy thing, can we talk about the LMEX disruptor? Because uh, and then I because I, I'm just you know we have this project called Reactor. Uh, right. reactor reactor supports reactive programming. Uh, the very first version of um reactor, 1.0, before we had formalized the reactive streams types, working with light band, nay, type safe, and uh, uh, before, you know, that had all sort of crystallized and looked like it does today, we had a very different API, and one of the big selling points was we actually had an implementation of a ring buffer uh, right. um, from, uh, you know, some of the work coming out of the LMAX disruptor. Um, so I, like, I, it's... It's hallowed ground, right? That the LMAX disruptor stuff. There's just so much good stuff coming out of that that work, you know? Can you tell me and people about like what is what is that? Why why do people hear about it? Why was it in so many white papers and so on, you know?
1: Yeah, that's I I think God, now I have to remember because it's years ago. Um it was really interesting because um I was So I was working at LMAX and we had the the head of, um, I can't remember what those titles, the head of technology was Dave Farley, who wrote the continuous delivery book while I was working there. And his boss, the CTO, was Martin Thompson, who (laughs) is kind of, you know, the one who ended up being the brains behind the disruptor. And he now does Aeron and a bunch of other like Java type performance stuff. And he does some C++ and things as well. So he's like, he coined this term mechanical, well, he reused this term mechanical sympathy so I was kind of working with these two people who were already great at what they did, but became like even more famous afterwards. Oh yeah.
0: And,
1: and between them, I think it was between them. They, they kind of, they, they, they cooked up this idea of, um, there was a lot of things really, How much was a very small company. We were like, less than 50 people were a financial exchange in London and there's loads of them you know and um when we were a java shop and we needed to get the word out about what we did so that we could get more users but also for like recruitment and hiring and stuff like that because we're a financial exchange but like in the west of London and everyone else is in the city and so Uh people were like why do I want to go to west London to work in a financial exchange when I can like live and work in the city and I can change jobs whenever I want to so there was like we had to get them the news out about like what we were doing and why it was interesting. And so one of the ideas was to open source part of the system, something which was not business critical, but like kind of showcases what we do. So the they selected the disruptor. It was, it was quite a lot of work. I think Martin did this like over Christmas or something. He kind of separated out what became the disruptor, like what were we using? We had this layer. Um, the, the transport layer obviously um for talking between i guess what you'd probably call microservices now but they weren't called microservices then um,
0: right
1: and we had this transport layer which was like asynchronous and you know you're sending messages we had a message based system event uh, like event streaming and um and so what, what martin did is he took he took out the part which made that fast um because originally we were using cues like everyone does and and they did some performance testing and they were like these cues are actually putting stuff in the cues and taking stuff off the cues it right. takes more time than any of the rest of the stuff put together so how can we how can we solve that problem so the idea was to have a, a ring buffer that is fixed size and fixed locations and so you can use this idea of mechanical sympathy of like these, um, these things are stored in memory in a linear way. You can access them in a predictable way. The CPU and everything like, and the, and the JVM and everything can kind of optimize all of that stuff for you. And so right. you can, and it's an array, not um, not, a, not a Java collection, which may or may not have objects all over the place. So by sort of leveraging everything that the that, that people knew about the way the JVM works, the way the computer works, um, you could kind of skip away from a lot of the complicated, well, not com- a lot of the... Performance damaging stuff like garbage collection, like going off to memory and all those sorts of things, and and use this ring buffer. Um, And so he split out the ring buffer and the mechanisms putting stuff into the ring buffer and out of the ring buffer. Um, And then they called it the Elmite disruptor. Um, So they open sourced that and then they went to QCon San Francisco to talk about it that was Martin Thompson and Mike Barker and and they were like yeah let's just give this presentation about it and it got it was like the most popular presentation ever and like it got loads of hits on the YouTube video and everything Um, so then they, they wrote the white paper about it and put that out there and then that I kind of came into this because at this time I was starting to get, I was going to lots of user groups and starting to get really interested in this idea of, of knowledge sharing and stuff. Like I'm like, I don't really know the performance stuff that well. Um, but I really want to be involved in this process of of communicating to people what it does and why it's interesting. So I kind right. of got involved a little bit in the white paper and then I then Martin was invited to present at Java One about the disruptor. And, um, and I was invited along as well because we'd won the, the Dukes Choice Award for the Disruptor and, and I, somehow I got that ticket and Martin's like, why don't you present with me about the Disruptor? I was like, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Um, and, and, yeah, and yeah, so then from there, which is kind of the whole thing, the Disruptor thing and like my developer advocacy career, the very tied to me um, just kind of exploded from there really. And the to just took on a life of its own. Just but you can you, hear, it, but you hear about it everywhere. No.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, that first version of reactor was 2011, I think, and we had like, ring buffer. We were talking about hey, so blazing fast uh, dispatches, thanks to this ring buffer implementation. You know, like it was all based on that work. Um, and by the way, just for you you kind of glided over it. Uh, but let me just double click for a second. Martin Thompson, you mentioned Aaron. Right. Um, no. But he's just a lovely lovely person i love him i love i love him i love his wife i love that there's two people uh you know uh, actually funny story my mom is now friends with his wife um long story the the internet small small social circles you make friends on business trips you know that kind of thing uh but anyway he so aaron is what you should be what what people should be using for high-speed message uh conveyance right like it's just an incredibly fast and it's and he does that with oh what's the big bearded gentleman's name I can see it's his face right. thank you lovely person as well yeah so that that's one thing uh and then you mentioned Dave Farley who with Jez Humble wrote the the continuous innovation book and by the way Dave now has like a YouTube channel that is just amazing it's popping it's off. So good. It's like it's so good like I, I want I'm a subscriber not just because I'm a friend because I'm a because it's just who knew? He's got these great, like, you know, absolutely great uh, uh, YouTube presence. Um, okay, so then Max, you're involved because you're awesome, and you can help. Um, more than having, more than just being able to put the idea out there, you you were able to go a step further, which I think is a sign of genius, and um, you were able to to com- make it palatable so that, you know, us muggles can understand it, which is a, okay. a really hard skill, right? Like I I really, really uh, admire people that can do that. So then, so you were at LMX Instructor and you're saying that's, that gave you wings, right? Is that, is that maybe what propelled you into the spotlight for sure. a little bit? For sure. Oh, okay. I mean, we all have those moments, like the Spring team for me is obviously, you know, I, I'm writing Spring's coattails. Uh, I, I did, unlike you, I didn't really contribute to anything. I'm just a very, I'm just, I was no, in the right place.
1: No, but again, you have you have that skill of like it's all well and good creating great technology or fast technology or like useful technology, but like if developers don't know about it and don't know how to use it and don't see it in context, it doesn't mean anything. And you have this amazing skill, and like make like no one lives code live codes like you. You have this amazing skill of going right. We need to do this thing. This is how you do that thing. You like. Oh right that's cool like i literally Uh, learned spring boot from watching your stuff because before i was like i don't really get what the deal is and then i'm like oh no you just write an application really quickly right in front of everyone and and it works great yeah
0: i want there with one their asterisk is of course nobody except dr subramanian who is you know like uh, (laughs) (laughs) just i look up to him even though he's he's amazing shorter than i am um and I look up to you, by the way, you're, so I guess there was actually even a conversation recently on Twitter, uh, and I, I was just, you know, you're an amazing live coder. I've seen you the de- 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 dismantle, like, really complex um, Java stuff, like, especially, I, in fact, I, I was so persuaded by your skills that I think you and I even did a Java FX and Spring talk, and I was just because mm-hmm. I wanted to ride on on the strength of one of your existing talks you had done some stuff around job effects and that was all live I remember seeing you at a job and, at one point
1: I'm so sad that that our joint talk was not recorded on video because like it was a great talk. it was a lot of work that went into it it was a great talk. Yes. there's loads of some interesting stuff in there and like only the people who were in the room at the time gets to benefit from that
0: <laughs> I know and it's such a bummer but it was so much fun I felt Always. very privileged uh that was it's gotta be well, it's more than three years. I, well, it was it was that it code one or Java one? I don't remember, but
1: it was code one. I wanna say 2018, okay. probably. Yeah, 2018, because we yeah. were gonna do it again in 2019, but I couldn't because of my mom's health.
0: Oh dear, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Um 2018, which is still four years ago for yeah. And any no matter how you measure it, that's a long time. Um but that was that was uh not at the I mean, I don't know how long you were talking about JavaFX for years before that. Um, and so really, this was just a repackaging and a springification yeah. of some of the stuff you were already doing, which is amazing. And I had seen that before. And I was, I'm, you know, I was and remain a big fan. Um, okay. And by the way, you're, you make Java effects. I, I had no, I mean, if you had told me in 2018 that I'd be out there championing Java effects, I, was, I would have laughed, you know, there's just no way, no reasonable reason that I would think that'd be interesting to me. But you, you make it persuasive. I'm still kind of bummed. JavaFX hasn't had its day, you know, not in the way it did. Really I agree.
1: Deserved. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of pleased I didn't go full into JavaFX. I only picked it up because I wanted to do a Java 8 presentation and I, I wanted it to be all Java 8. I, I don't oh. want to do a web, So my previous presentation had been a web front end, um, MongoDB and, and a Java back end. Um, yeah. And then this one, I was like, I don't want to do a web front end because I want it to be focused on Java 8, lambdas and streams and things like that. And so that's why I picked JavaFX. And that and it was really easy to pick up and it you know it's got a lot of real-time stuff and it's really yeah. it's really nice technology um yeah. if you do you know desktop development which most people don't do anymore um oh, but yeah by the, the time that we were doing to... the java stuff they'd already taken it out of, of core java um but i still oh, right it was in java have, 11 as a yeah, separate jar they separate but it, i still do a bunch of java oh, effects yeah. i still keep my java projects up to date Um, you know now everything's kind of post Java 9, post Java 11 and everything's kind of separate I still have it, my GitHub thing is still up to date and still, I was using it to come up with some of the examples for the new IntelliJ book because I needed like sufficiently complex IntelliJ idea project that I could show stuff and I was using my JavaFX project
0: okay, we will talk about that because I'm really, that's just go buy that book people the IntelliJ (laughs) book but we'll, let's get to that in a sec because I'm really excited about that. Actually, I didn't know you were using JavaFX. Makes me even more excited about this book. Um, uh, okay, so MongoDB, what, uh, like, what's the? How did you? I mean, they 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 were the database of the new web. You know, like right? uh, yeah. the 2010s.
1: I, yes, I didn't really know anything about MongoDB, and this is one of those jobs where. this is probably the all of my jobs including LMAX I got through recruitment agents in London doing sort of the classic like put your cv out there like sign up to a bunch of agencies and see if you get a semi-decent job out of it but even MongoDB I wasn't I was looking for a new job but not super actively but um again this was actually through a recruitment agent which is kind of weird because at that point at that point I was already speaking at conferences and starting to make my own network and you sort of expect that maybe you might get directly hired through that but when You work when you're kind of famous for working for one company, you can't go around at conferences saying, Hey, I'm looking for a new job, you know. Right. <laughs> so, um, uh, this agent came up to me and said this MongoDB thing, and what was interesting to me about that was it was um, an, a 50 50 advocacy and engineering role, and so that's kind of what I was looking for. Like, I really wanted to do more advocacy because with the LMAX, I was doing about one day a week, maybe a bit less, um, and it, I was also only you know, I was starting to go to conferences on my own time and money, and so I needed a job where because I was really enjoying the conferences, particularly speaking. um I needed yeah. a job. Where you were going to I get through this blind. I needed a job. <laughs> you were going to. Um... It was pouring with rain when we started this podcast. Right.
0: Um, I was just, I was just noticing. I was watching you become gradually more flushed out.
1: Inkandescent, just a white splot with some eyes. uh it You're was being baked with buddies. rain. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, so I wanted a job where they were going to send me to conferences, basically. And so this is a 50-50 role of engineering, working on the MongoDB Java driver. So I still get to be like an engineer and um, and doing conference talking. So and also one of the other interesting things when I was hiring for that, when I was going through the process of, of being hired for that role is some of the people on the on the driver's team were working remotely. One of them in particular was working from Barcelona. And at that time, I had just started dating my Spanish boyfriend. Um, in in London, and I was thinking, well, oh, it might be quite nice if maybe we relocated to Spain. So uh, a job which is remote-friendly, this is in 2012, um, a right. job which is remote-friendly would be very appealing. So, sure. and also the MongoDB thing, you know, the MongoDB is a, is, oh, my sister's calling me, like, that's always, <laughs> um, you can call her, yeah, but from downstairs, please. <laughs> um. Uh-huh uh so so yeah mongodb was kind of like an 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 interesting different type of technology i was still working on the java side of stuff because i was working on a java driver and then my job was kind of to talk to java developers about how to use this technology effectively what was really interesting about that is that a lot of what they were presenting to the world the mongodb stuff was based on on javascript because the mongodb shell was written with javascript and like one of the First drivers, I think, was like a, a JavaScript one, but like Node, basically, because um, yeah. it's you know like you said it's like a web technology. Um, JSON, great, right. all of that stuff. JSON. I was like really yeah. new to JSON. I was like, what is this? What's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so so it was quite an interesting communication challenge because the way that. If you're using JavaScript, which is a dynamic language, and JSON, which is kind of like, you know, and schemaless databases, everything's very fluffy and flexible, which is the very selling point of MongoDB. Um, And then you're talking to it from Java, which is not fluffy (laughs) and flexible. Java's like, I am a customer object and I have these fields or else. Um, else. (laughs) So it's quite interesting having that trying to sell flexible schema and working with a flexible database from a, you know, strongly typed object oriented language. Um, yeah. Some of the benefits that you get for working with MongoDB are much more difficult to, they're not difficult to use from Java, but you, you end up using a lot of maps and you're like, well, then I'm not getting any of the value of my language. So right. uh, what was interesting about that was, it was all about domain modeling, like whether you're yeah. using database or or your application. It's it what was it was cool to talk to people about about domain modeling, like what is what is known about your domain and what is fluffy about your domain, and how do you do your schema design for that, and how do you implement that in in Java. um right. So that was kind of an, a, like a totally different set of problems than anything I I'd kind of worked with before.
0: Hey, MongoDB, I mean, the well, first of all, there there's some notable people that were you of course uh Brendan McAdams Justin Lee right. uh like there's just been some amazing people that were forged you know working on the drivers and working on the infrastructure at MongoDB with the database that powered the web like for i mean it's still i think probably up in the top 5 most used databases out there
1: yeah, yeah full sure stop
0: right like yeah. you know and I was still thinking about
1: MongoDB because I still have shares with MongoDB. I'm like, yes, oh, you should MongoDB. It's really important. Yes,
0: okay. yes, it is. No, they're they're they've justifiably have earned a, a place in most people's enterprises, right? They're yeah. for a good reason. And you mentioned domain modeling. That is, it was a, it was such a weird, wonderful discussion to have. Lucas Eder likes to say that there's always a schema. It's just about when you define it, right? Right. And with MongoDB, the schema is defined when as soon as you have consumers, right? As soon as you have somebody consuming that API schema, right? It's there, and you 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 know you you, you got to be explicit about it. Uh, but it's not hard to do as long as you just go into it knowing that right. you have a schema, right? And everything else is extra. It's just got all these extra features. And I you know my first use case for MongoDB had nothing to do with database, with the data like JSON and all that. It was GoFS, right? Like I Gridfs is Amazing, like just a really great. If you need a, like an ephemeral, uh, if, no, durable rather, not a thermal, if you need durable storage somewhere, yeah, uh, and you don't have, you know, especially back 10, 15 years ago, we started talking yeah. about there's no durable storage, you can't rely on that on Amazon, you know, you can't we can't just write to so a amount, you know, yeah, now you have volumes you on know. it, but
1: no, like, but big storage, big remote storage was kind of like. Right. A, a difficult problem at that time so your gridfs yeah i forgot about gridfs it was a really it's lovely helpful way of just like chuck your files out there and uh, and you can get them back later when you want to right
0: yeah exactly and as long as you're and as long as you've got processes for your MongoDB, which you're going to right then your data so your files are fine you know like it's yeah. just it's the same infrastructure same implementation same administration it's just a such a versatile uh, swiss army knife database right. you know I haven't even really thought I mean, I, do you, what's the latest and greatest there? Do we even know? I mean, I don't know. It's just it just works as I checked.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they keep upgrading a MongoDB. I still use it as my default um, storage when I'm when I'm starting out with something because like yeah. I've got it on my computer and it's easy. And if I don't, especially with a new project, when you don't know what the schema looks like, let's just start with a MongoDB database. Um, and I just yeah. like download the latest one and then just use it and it just works. You know, and they have yeah. big releases, but it still carries on working more or less the way that you expect it to work. And it's usually like all my old projects, which used MongoDB before, I upgraded them and they all work. So they still have yeah, a, yeah. a good respect for backwards compatibility, you know?
0: Huge deal, especially given the long tail. Hey, it's kind of weird. It doesn't feel like it's a long tail kind of database. It feels like it's been around only for a minute, but it's actually been what, 13, 14, 15 years now, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. must be about 15 course. years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it's deeply entrenched at this point. That's a lifetime in database uh, right. Well not database terms, but it's a lifetime in, in software terms, terms. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. So that's a great. Oh, that's amazing! I did. So you worked on you worked on uh, both the engineering side, and you were you were like down in the weeds of the, the the driver and all that stuff, the Java driver.
1: Yeah, and we were rewriting it at the time. We weren't just kind of uh, adding bits and pieces to the protocol. We were rewriting the whole driver. So we did a whole. I learned a lot about. There's a few things I learned there. Um, the one when you're writing a library, I've never worked on libraries before. I've always worked for enterprises and you work on an enterprise yeah. application that your internal users or maybe your web users are using. Um, but this is like a downloadable jar file that other developers are going to use in the wild and an environment you have no control over, using versions of Java that you have no idea about, and it's free too, so you don't know who your users are. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is a weird new world. And understanding <laughs> that's when I started to understand about backwards compatibility for Java because we were let's so this is 20 this is 2012 to 2014 so we were you know java 8 was coming out a lot of our users were on java 5 as uh, 5 6 because more or less the same thing um
0: yeah
1: and um and we were having conversations about like how do we where do we set the minimum bar you know can we have a java 8 one should we have two drivers what does the API look like? Because the API on the Java driver had been, the Java driver was actually the first driver, I think, now I think about it. But it was written yeah. in a very, like, um, sort of almost procedural Java way. And we wanted it to be more like a streaming API. But Java actually, it doesn't support a streaming API very well either. <laughs> I,
0: okay. Well, and by the way, there's, so, a couple of things. First, there is a, I think that, there's a reactive driver, right? Was that right. originated within... 10 Gen MongoDB or was that yeah yeah that external? was
1: that was being worked on in fact because th- you mentioned Brendan Brendan I think started that um
0: yeah
1: while I was there but it was it was taken on a combination of of Ross who had been working on Python then moved over to Scala um so Ross worked with uh Jeff Yemen who was running the Java team to kind of come up with this reactive um the the reactive driver because. In that at that time, that's kind of more what the Scala devs were looking for, and the, the, the Java devs just weren't there then. Right. But like yeah. Yeah. Now, it, you know, everything's everything's different now. It's a whole different world.
0: Uh, totally. And I remember when um, I looked at the original driver for MongoDB, and I heard a story. I, it might be apocryphal. I don't know. And so I, I don't mean to spread rumors, or whatever apparently the first driver was written by uh, Elliot Horowitz, yeah. the uh, then CTO. Yeah. Maybe he's still the CTO? I don't know. I haven't no, he's not the CTO on... anymore, but he was CTO for a long time. Long time. Okay. And, uh, and apparently he wasn't like a Java developer. So the driver reflected that like not native, you know, it felt like a C programmer writing Java.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think I might've said that in the past. I'm a, I, I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate C programmers writing Java because it's no, it, no, it was fine, you know, but it's it was not as idiomatic as I would have liked it to have been.
0: Okay. So, uh, yeah, and it was it worked obviously, it clearly inarguably works, right? I mean, look yeah. at the look at the proliferation of MongoDB in the Java community even 10 years ago. And it's 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 hard to argue that it was anything but a rousing success, but but still, I even felt that I looked at the code, and went, mm, mm, yeah, this is. Uh, you, know who, you know what else was kind of, uh, Did you ever look at the code for, um, oh, gosh. Uh, what was it, Mark Little? Uh, he did uh, the Arjuna Anjuna, transaction manager.
1: Right. No, I haven't seen that.
0: And it was, if you look at the code, some of the classes are like lowercase. Right. Uh, like the capital, there's no capital letters and the code It was very clearly if somebody had written the whole thing in like VI or Emacs or something because there's like completely inconsistent spacing and underscore variable names and all that. I'm like, this is some of the most, this is brilliant code, right? Inarguably brilliant code. It works flawlessly. It's powered because it was the transaction manager for JBoss AS, you know, for for decades. Maybe it still is. I don't know. Uh, And so obviously brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Works perfectly, but then you look at the code. Oh, this but is not. But it's not Java. <laughs> this is, well, it is, but it's just it just isn't the way it was. It's not. It's it's clear that when I start a project, I, I build. A, I have a palm.xml maybe or a Gradle build or whatever, and I have IntelliJ and I have Command Alt L to reformat everything. Right, but you know, I need that, or I or I don't feel okay. I can't sleep okay. I I've never I've never committed to code without either doing the formatting inside the IDE or using a plug plugin. And I would feel weird if I didn't. And, uh, you know, I've got all these little bubbles telling me I've got validation and all that. And it's like, maybe that's all a distraction. Maybe, right. if, you, maybe if you want brilliant code, you want just VI and some time alone. And then you can right. worry about this formatting later, you know? like.
1: So I, I had a lot of thoughts like the one because the Java driver was like that. Like when I opened the code, my first thought was, oh my God, what is this? Because you know, <laughs> the naming is kind of all over the place. And there's like underscores and names and stuff, which is a bit weird and like, <laughs> You know they're passing nulls all over the place which is like you just don't need to do that and like the no. variables the fields are declared at the bottom of the class and you know and and like you said like inconsistent spacing and the brackets are not on the right lines and i actually right. use some old mongodb code in um in my code review presentation because it's a lovely example of oh my god what is this but <laughs> but that did get me thinking like is it is it distracting me is is it a good thing or a bad thing that this code is distracting me like is it the whole point about consistency and formatting and all that stuff like the selling point is if you write idiomatic code and it's consistently formatted and you follow the rules and you're not distracted by all of that right that's good but then as a developer maybe I should just be like not sweating that stuff like it it works yeah. the performance is fine like so, We could have probably done, instead of, we rewrote the whole driver for lots of reasons. One of the main reasons is actually because we wanted to plug the other JVM languages on top. So we needed to be able to expose like a, we needed to separate the Java API, much like a lot of Java stuff now, separate the Java, the language API off so that other JVM languages could plug in to like the service layer and provide a Scala API or a Groovy API or whatever. So that was the architectural idea behind rewriting the Java driver. But I have a feeling a lot of it was just, really Java developers looking at the Java driver going, nope, nope, nope. (laughs) But we could have fixed that by applying, like, you know, command alt L, like across the whole board, doing that as a commit, creating some check style rules and doing some very gentle, gradual refactorings to break out some of the, break up some of the big methods. And, you know, so it was a really interesting example that made me think, and I don't think there's any right answers here around like, how much does that stuff matter? And you you have to decide as a team, like, does it, if it really matters to you how your code is written and how idiomatic it is and how it's formatted and how it's laid out, you you have to do like one pass across the whole code base right at the beginning and say, these are the rules and we follow the rules from now on, or you just don't get bothered about it. And you're like, just, you're here to do one job, do that job as fast as possible, separate it out into a separate method or whatever, and leave it and don't think about it because it's just not worth the mental energy.
0: Right, and that that and and by the way, that whole the dogma around formatting and tabs and spaces and that because you're right, it is distracting. It really is, and, and so to the to the extent that people were still using the MongoDB driver directly in say 2010, yeah, I think it matters a whole heck of a lot what the surface area of that library looks like. Mm-hmm. But you know, the one of the very first Spring Data projects. That we supported in the the nascent Spring Data portfolio project, the umbrella project, was MongoDB. Yeah, and and so to that to that end, I, like I haven't used the driver in more than a decade. I don't care that it's been refactored. I I didn't notice it. I don't I haven't used it or interacted with it directly in, you know, at least ten years. Right. It's very yeah. easy now to completely issue working with that driver directly. Um, in the same way that I don't. I don't think most people work with JDBC directly. It's not a right, pl- right. particularly pleasant API at that level either. And,
1: that, and actually, Spring was one of our customers as, as the Java as the Java driver too. Like we had, it right. was good because we had this the Scala developer. He was like our JVM driver customer, if you like, trying to tell us what he needed. We were right, working. Right. I think it was um, Oliver from. is it Oliver from Spring oh, Data? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll and we were one. working with him about, yeah, about like what does he need? How does he need to interact with it? Because he doesn't need to interact with it from the API level. Like, could he no. come into the service level? And also things like um, Morphia, which was our object document mapper as well. Like, again, doesn't need to go through the API. Could just get Is that into Justin's the, thing. That's Justin's thing. Yeah, he's still maintaining it. Yep. And yep. I still use the Morphia code, but in fact, I was using the Morphia code for my Java 8 presentation on like how to refactor from a non-Java 8 project to <laughs> Java 8 project, and then benchmarking it because like you know streams don't always work more effectively than array iterate. Back to the back to the disruptor, really. Like if you've got right. an array and you're using a for loop, it's more there's fewer objects allocated than if you're sure. using Java 8 streams and you've got objects freaking everywhere. But then, right. so you do like a micro benchmark on that and go, well, actually, the Streams API is slower. And then, but you then bear in mind that Morphia is effectively a database driver, and there will be a network call. Like you don't care, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the network just, call is going to take way longer.
0: <laughs> way longer. Yeah, I Morphia is great code too. I mean, there's just so much good stuff that came out of MongoDB, just because uh, I, uh, you know, really smart people about whose names we just enumerated and many more I've, I've long since forgotten. I've spent time in that layer to the point now where, for my day to day interactions with MongoDB, I know I don't care. I don't, I haven't used the original low level driver in so long. So it's okay. been refactored. You, you say that's cool to know. You know. Yeah. Um. Good. Okay. So MongoDB, awesome. Uh, like, and that's 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 where I first uh uh bumped into you. I think was at, at that point, and that was to me very interesting work because it's you know to this day, like we said, it's millions and millions of people are using that, right? Um. Uh, and then, what? Why leave? Was it TenGen or MongoDB at that point? You know,
1: it was. It they just turned from 10 gen to MongoDB. Um okay. So I was I was a little bit nervous, really, because at that point I'd relocated to Seville in Spain, um, and Lucky. so I was working remotely. Yeah, and I had my so you know, and I had a a decent salary, um, much better than local Spanish salaries, um, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I, and so like we said, the MongoDB stuff is very interesting. There was a lot of interesting work going on, but there was a few things. One, doing a role, which is 50% engineering and 50% developer advocacy, it's it's very difficult. It's, it's really yeah. difficult. Your deliverables are completely separate. So, like, we would have the 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 MongoDB MongoDB server would release like new versions whenever they release them. The driver would have to update the their basically their protocol like in line with whatever new things the server was offering. And there was like you know hard deadlines to meet there. And then right. as an advocate, you have these other deadlines at like conferences and workshops and. You know, and and you don't have control over those either, and those deadlines right. don't dovetail nicely. So, like when you've got a, a big MongoDB release, you'll also find like you're away for a week for Java one, or like you know, and I went to, went to Yao for like two three weeks, I think it was, and it wasn't available at all for half of the engineering stuff. So right. balancing those, and I ended up I not I ended up not contributing anywhere near as much to the actual Java driver as I wanted to. Um, and so it was, it was just really difficult to sort of juggle those two things and feel like you're doing a good job of either one of them. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I really like speaking to Java developers about Java stuff. And like I said, there's some challenges in terms of like the, the MongoDB stuff. There's only so much you can say to Java developers. You're like, here's the Java driver, <laughs> you know, um, it's, and we, you know, cause we, we developed it. There was quite a lot of stuff to talk about there in terms of how, how different it is to work on a library, how challenging it is to create an API that other developers can use, but right. there's, there's a finite amount of stuff you can talk about. And then when new versions of MongoDB were going to come out, I was probably going to end up talking about MongoDB stuff. And I'm like, I'm a bit more interested in the Java side of things. So i right. would um, so met Hadi from JetBrains ad conferences, as you do. Um, and what I've, what I've been doing is I've been speaking to a bunch of heads of developer advocacy um organizations like when Simon Ritter was at Oracle and Hadi and Simon Maple was at Zero Turnaround. And I was talking to them about how they figure out how effective advocacy is because we were having conversations inside MongoDB about like how to basically how to measure advocacy. You know one of these things that goes around again and again, like what's the return on investment of of developer advocacy?
0: Have you did you figure it out? Because I would love to know.
1: No. So everyone does it differently, Uh right? Like oracle at the time we doing a bunch of metrics around you know like views page views and things like that um i think i can't remember what simon maple said zero turnaround we're doing i think they were doing more based on like production have you produced enough pieces and you know how many conferences have you spoken at and and how said no we don't measure it like it's impossible you just you can't like we're just gonna trust you we have basically you're i mean JetBrains doesn't have an idea of budgets at all, but basically, effectively, you're part of the marketing budget and that's the way it is. You know, you just kind of have to do your thing. Um, And so that was kind of actually quite interesting to me. And then, you know, he said to me at the end of that conversation, and if you want to come work for us at JetBrains, there's always a place for you. And And that was in the summer. And I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in doing this thing for MongoDB. I want to see the end of the database driver and I want to work with them on how to make sure that advocacy is effective and all that kind of thing. But by, by the time November came around and I went to DevOps and I met him again at DevOps and he was like, look, I still really want you to come and work for us because I was doing live demos with IntelliJ IDEA and I was doing like how to build a, an application with MongoDB with, uh, what was I using, Drop Wizard, which I did move to Spring Boot actually for a little while, um, but Drop Wizard and Morphia and MongoDB, but obviously using a lot of IntelliJ IDEA features like live templates and... Um, HTTP calls and all that kind of thing with um, with IntelliJ IDEA. So Hattie's like, you're already basically doing the job. So why don't you right. just have, be paid by us? So, and, yeah. and, he, and I knew that he was in, he's in Malaga, which is not far from Seville. Um, right, right. And so I knew that they, and most of the team were remote. So I knew that they were going to support me doing what I do, what I already do um, and, and pay me for working remotely. So it took me a while to decide to make that move because it just seemed a bit too good to be true. Right. Um, and in the end, I was. And then he said, uh, "And you get business trouble when you go to the states." And I was like, "Yes, I'm in." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Yeah. So I joined them at the end of that year. Well, I think it was the first Wh- of January. And
0: which year was, was this?
1: That, that. So I joined them first, and I know exactly which year it was. It was the first of January, 2015, because. Okay. Then I went to DevOx France in March, which is, I only had the job for like two and a half months. And I said, Hattie, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and, oh. he, and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, um, you know, I'm
0: sorry,
1: got uh, maternity leave, you know, I've just joined your company. And at the end of the year, I'm going to be going on maternity leave. And I um, mean, oh. yeah, that's the, fine. The, the, the pregnancy was planned as much as it was planned, but I hadn't really planned sure. to start a job and then basically say, I can't really do my job properly. But he was like, no, it's absolutely right. fine. No problem. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and they were super supportive of, of everything. And, um, yeah. and it was the job that I wanted while I was pregnant because I wanted to be able to it work was, my-
0: Sorry, so, so, sorry, I, I lost you there. It was a job that, 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 that. It
1: was the job, it was the kind of job I wanted while I was pregnant because- i wanted to be working from home i wanted to be able to take a rest when i was like not really feeling it you know right. um and i wanted uh yeah i wanted to have the sort of team support that to tell me that everything was fine and, and don't worry about it because especially when you're working right. remotely and you don't have the office around you you do need people to tell you everything's fine so yeah um, and it so, is yeah.
0: by the way like it's yeah,
1: yeah. exactly <laughs> but, but you know because you know there aren't a lot of women in it and and I didn't know a lot of women who are older than me, therefore I didn't know a lot of women who'd had kids um, while working as as a a remote developer advocate. There just, there weren't really many women in that role. And you know, and a lot of people saying, the concern is always, if you take time away from the job, you know, you'll lose your technical skills. And I was already a developer advocate rather than a developer. So I had this double whammy of like, I'm losing my developer skills anyway, because all I'm doing is speaking at conferences, and then I'm going to take a leave of absence to have this child and developer advocacy as well. You really have to stay on top of the news because what your job is, is to tell people what's new and how to use it. So I had a lot of anxiety and concerns around it, but it turns out that it's like a lot of these concerns that we as women in particular have about like leaving technology for weeks months or years and coming back to it and having out-of-date skills is absolute nonsense because like
0: thank you example,
1: it's absolutely nonsense and spring is a great example of this actually because Uh-oh. i used i used spring in i first used spring in 2006 i think
0: yeah
1: and a while at 2005 2006 it was like really new we were using struts and we started using the spring mbc thing um,
0: nice. and, struts and is awesome i used too, it
1: yeah, and I used it on and off, and we used um, dependency injection, but the, only the DI bit of spring at LMAX. And, you know, i would use bits and pieces of spring for a while, but not, like, not loads, but, like, my spring knowledge has always been a little bit on and off, depending on you use it one year, and then you work somewhere else for two years, and, you know, you sure. don't use any stuff. And then when I was working with Dahlia and Helen on this spring project last year, because we were, like, right, you two want to learn Spring. I know a little bit of Spring. Let's do like a whole month of pair programming in Spring and write something with Spring Boot. Um, and as I was doing it, I was like, I know this stuff. Like, I don't yeah. know the most recent Spring stuff, but I've used it before. I remember how it thinks, you know, and, I, and I'm i an experienced developer. I use a lot of frameworks. I read a lot. I, you know, I, if something, and I've got this instinct for like, that feels unnecessarily complicated. There must be a different way of doing it. Like right. that's what you, that's what you develop over the years. Not like, what is the API call for doing this specific thing? Like, yeah. you know, I was using a different database and I was using, well, I was using Mongo and one and I was writing microservices, which I hadn't written before and doing a whole bunch of stuff that I hadn't done before. And I'm like, but I know how to do this. Cause I know what to Google and I know where to look and I know when something feels right and when yes. something doesn't feel right. Right. Yes. And it doesn't matter that I hadn't written spring. Like last time I wrote spring was well, I think I wrote a spring In week, earnest. Well, probably with you actually when we were doing yeah. the job texting. So it had been like three years or something. Um, right. It's not 10 years, but it's it's you know, if it's, you took three years off to time. have a baby, right? People would say if you right. take three years off to have a baby, they'd be like, You have no technical skills left. I'm like, no, because I don't know how to do this stuff. It doesn't like take away yeah. all of your knowledge and experience. So
0: and, and by the way, what? this is like to that end, have you I I've I've noticed one of the so Right now, Twitter, the bird site is kind of on fire. And, and so, so I don't wanna like, it. It, it makes me so sad too, because I've got good memories there, right? Like, and one of those things that I've loved about our community, uh, uh, especially in the last, I don't know, five, five years, especially I've noticed just every now and then somebody will tweet out something which you and I as experienced engineers can take for granted. But, which I think is valuable to remind people of, which is that even the best of us and me, you know, <laughs> even the the best and also me, we have to google stuff. Oh time. doesn't matter how long. all the time. And it is so wrong-hearted and wrong-headed to discourage people or to to just spell them because they don't remember the Java doc for this stupid type in the middle of some package. Come on, that's just
1: not what the job's about. No, exactly. It's just ridiculous, you know? So what what you just said is true. One of the the conference talks I built, which was a live coding one, I can't remember which one it was, but it was quite a complex one. And it was a lot like writing a real application. I made a note of every single thing I Googled because I was going to write a blog post about it, but I never did. One day I might do, but I was like, I wanted to show like something which I can present in 45 minutes. And I look right. really smart, and I know what I'm doing. I wanted to show you that it was like three pages of Google, <laughs> search, you know, of like Google search terms, one search term per line. You know, right. I googled hundreds of things yeah. to write. That book, you know, and some of them are stupid. That, like you say, there'll be something like, oh, the, I mean, obviously there'll be something in there about a regular expression because you always have to Google that <laughs> stuff. But like, um, you yeah. know, there'll be something stupid that you should know. Like, um, oh, something I googled well, yeah. a bunch of times. Since Gradle changed their source set names uh, right. from test and implementation to API runtime, I don't know, they changed their yeah. source set. And and I, I have to, they did that a few years ago. I have to Google it every single time. Like, which one am I using? Why do I want the don't I want the API right. or the implementation or <laughs> what was it? I want it. <laughs> yeah,
0: the one that I'll never ever in my history, I, I will, it'll be, it'll be my epitaph on my tombstone is, the order of ln minus s right like uh, yeah. yes i'll just never know i just will never be able to keep it in my head which ones the right one and every single time i try it it's the wrong one it's like a uh, that meme for usb you the picture's right. like plug it in the top wrong other side wrong <laughs> plug it in again the other way right you know like what
1: like how <laughs> does that work?
0: it just doesn't why why is it so painful uh yeah like uh, so yeah this stuff is not hard but it doesn't mean you have to remember it either it's precisely because it's not hard that most people don't bother to keep it in their heads it's just not interesting knowledge you know um in fact when we were
1: writing the spring app like me um me dahlia and helen so dahlia's got dahlia was working before she joined jetbrains she was working at ibm so she knows a bunch of stuff about like um working with uh ibm products basically uh but not spring the spring is not an ibm product. um helen um did Java years ago and then came back to Java and has been technical writing so she was kind of bringing herself back up to up to speed on like modern Java and um me and Dahlia we were trying to we were constructing I can't remember what we were looking for but we were trying to construct the specific Google search that we wanted to find (laughs) the thing we wanted to find and Helen was like you know obviously Helen Google stuff as well but she was really fascinated by that process of like, how do you decide which words you want to put into that Google search in order to trigger the results that you want? And we were like, Oh my God. Cause we had like a 10 minute discussion about what, to, what exact thing to Google. I can't remember right. what it was, but like it was something about, I'm sure it was something Maven-y, you know, but it, because sure. it, it wasn't about one specific technology. It was something about how the technologies interact together. So you need yeah, to figure yeah. out which keywords you're going to put to not just get like, all of the job docs
0: for individual things
1: right exactly
0: oh it's so common this is this is a mark of experience is knowing the domain more than you know the type so i know what to search for even if i don't know what the results will be you know right um yeah and that's that's uh and uh, by the way going back to the stability thing you mentioned spring we work very hard on having uh, a, a good backwards compatibility story that said it's not just us i mean obviously some, I mean, I think Spring's done a particularly great job because it's 20 plus years of basic uh, portability of application and even code to a large extent. Right. But, but, uh, you know, I think it's not a good thing that a ecosystem is so volatile that you can step away for a month or a year or three years, whatever, and not have stable footing when you come back. Right. So the JavaScript ecosystem 10 years ago was like this. Right. It was just so volatile. You learn a framework and you'd just be right. You'd be completely irrelevant uh, right. six months later. My you know? my
1: MongoDB live coding talk was using Angular. And um, and I didn't <laughs> use Angular, obviously, every day. Yeah, I didn't. I just picked it because it, at the time it's the most it was the most common one.
0: By and far. I, yeah.
1: See, yeah. And I wanted to see what it looked like and why is it different to the stuff that I normally do. So I I, I gave that talk for a whole year and then <laughs> about uh, about a year into my job at at uh, at JetBrain, so probably less than a year after I'd been giving this talk, like right. throughout a year, I needed to do some demos for WebStorm. So I needed some JavaScript code for WebStorm. Nice. And um, and I'm like, well, I've got a JavaScript application and it's Angular, so I can use that to demonstrate the Angular features. And this was now Angular 2.0, and I was totally like, different thing. It, was, it took me a week to upgrade it to, to Angular 2.0, and it's like the whole paradigm <laughs> shifted. and it was completely different. And I was like, right. how do people do that? It literally would have been easier to write it from scratch than to port from one version to another. Because right. I, I, I knew what my application was supposed to do. So if I'd looked at the Angular 2 docs, I would have just like blown away my old one and just write it from scratch. Like That can't be efficient. But no. on the other hand, to come back to your point, like if you're going to change the technology so much that you right. walk away six months and you come back, it's completely different. Again, there's absolutely no value in staying current in that technology because you have to learn no. it all over again anyway. So there is there's is literally no argument for don't take a break because you'll lose your knowledge. That's because
0: perfectly said.
1: Either Perfect. it's completely changed and you have to learn it all again anyway. And whether you right. learn it now or whether you learn it in five years' time, like five versions later, like just mm. learn it when you need to learn it. Or it's going to be stable enough that when you come back to it, nothing's changed. And you don't forget stuff. Yeah. You're not that stupid. You know? <laughs> e-
0: e- either way, the idea that we're going to make somebody feel poorly about this is just disgraceful, you know? It is disgraceful. Uh, it is. It's, it's
1: gatekeeping. It's absolute
0: gatekeeping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Gatekeeping. Oh, so... Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, frustrated. I uh, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm so hot. was great. He was, and I, and that doesn't surprise me. I know him. He's, he seems to be, uh, uh, a very decent, uh, what's that word? Like, I, I, like, I know he gets, uh, he's like me. He gets very uh, bent out of shape because sometimes things in the ambient world around us just aren't going the way they should. And it just, it, it offends him because he knows it could yeah. be better, you know? And I love yeah, that he cares
1: a lot he, he cares a lot you know it's one of his strengths it's also one of his weaknesses because he gets like you say he gets frustrated about stuff and you feel yeah. like saying oh, I just rise. don't care much about it you know just don't worry
0: about it <laughs> yeah poor guy I, I, I feel like he and I are uh, very similar in that one respect because a lot of times I, I just sit there and I'm like I there's nothing I can do and yet you know especially during the pandemic that was, yeah. you know a lot of us felt helpless I'm sure it weighed upon me. Um, okay, so JetBrains, IntelliJ, WebStorm—all these great. Actually, you were there. You presided over. You said you joined in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I was there for seven years. Gee, whiz, that's a long time. That's a, a uh, long that's,
1: time. It's a, twice as long as I've ever worked anywhere else, and I had two babies in that time and everything. You know, it was a it was a good solid amount of time.
0: Oh wow, that's and that's a really really good, uh, trench of like JetBrains history, right? Because all this, I mean, the the, the Move to subscriptions. Right. The, they had just open sourced the IDE a few years before that, I think. So right. you know, like a whole new generation, a whole new era. They went from yeah. just IntelliJ to like this proliferation of IDEs. I remember back then, ten years ago, it was just they had Int- JetBrains IntelliJ IDEA, and I think they had um, .NET Rider. Uh,
1: no, Rider. Oh, ReSharper, Re- ReSharper, but they didn't have Rider. They had right. ReSharper and some performance tools. Um, for the dotnet yeah. they had WebStorm, PHP Storm, PyCharm. They did have RubyMine, Ruby but yeah, but like um, a lot of those things were were quite new and and not like uh, in the sort of that you didn't see the same sort of use that you see nowadays. Right, it um, was all now, fairly new. Yeah, there's just an ID for everything now. Like there's one for Go, because I remember when I was working at MongoDB, because MongoDB did some Go stuff. Obviously, right. I wanted to use IntelliJ to do that, and I used a very nascent Go plugin, and I was like, "Oh, but it's right. kind of cool because it sort of tells me how to write Go code." And right. now, you know, there's a whole IDE for for Go, and ev- they've got one of everything now. And Rider for .NET. Like, if right. I was going to write .NET now, of course I would use Rider. I would not use yeah. Visual Studio. Like, no, not I do, no, no. It's not Visual Studio. It just doesn't do what I want it to do.
0: And, and it's it's ironic because they they originated, they put forth the idea of IntelliSense and you know, smart IDEs, they right. defined what that looks like. And yet they're just not nearly so intelligent as, as the JetBrains technologies these days, you know? Um, but yeah, so you were there right as this started, like now, everybody that does Python, you know, you've got two choices. You've got that other IDE from uh, the, with VS the VS. company. Right? Yeah. yeah, the other company. And then you've got like the PyCharm stuff. Right? And I think, PyTarm's still in the lead, right? Uh, Ditto the .NET.
1: (coughs) Uh, You had all these different IDEs
0: uh, that have like either the number one spot or very close uh, number two in the various ecosystems that they serve and cater to, you know? And it's just an amazing, uh, uh, you know, they went from being the Java tool for the minority. Now it's pretty fair to say they are the most prolific, used, most prolific, most widely used tool in the Java ecosystem, you know? Um, yeah. Uh,
1: I, I don't know if people are critical of, like, if you need to rely on your IDE so much, you're not a great programmer. But I'm like, we have so much, like we're talking about with the Googling, you have so much to think about. Why yeah. do you care about exactly how to write an if statement? Why not just write if and then do statement completion and have it do that stuff for you? And yes. The stuff you care about. Like, right. just don't think about the boilerplate. Don't think about the syntax. Just get the IDE to do that. And yes, okay, it might make it more difficult for you to do a whiteboard interview question, but then you sort of have to ask the question, do you want to work for a company which is interviewing you on the whiteboard when you use an IDE for your day job?
0: No. Right, easy answer. No. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm going back to the, the formatting. Oh, by the way, like, the, so in the, the speaking of Go, one of the things I love about Go uh, there's many, right. The, you know, uh, go routines are awesome as well, but go has go format. G-O-F-M-T, right. This right. very, very good tool for just formatting your code. Right. And it, it just sort of makes short work of all the, uh, bike shedding around like tabs or spaces, indents, right. new lines, you know, all it just, does it. <laughs> just stop it. I don't care about any of this. Let's move on. You know, so it just does it for you. And it's the same thing for every project, every piece of code, everybody. So there's no argument. And yet, it's also, you're also not held accountable for the spacing either. Like with Python, you've got to do it or the code doesn't work, right? right. With Go, you don't have to do it and it's the same. So right. You get both, best of both worlds, right? Um, and so Spring Boot, we have a Maven plugin, the Spring Java formatter, right? right. Maven is a spring hyphen Java formatter, colon apply. And it just, it breaks the build if your code is not formatted correctly. Right. And you can run the, you can run apply to format the code. So every commit on Spring Boot goes to this plugin. And so we have people working in Eclipse, we have people using uh, IntelliJ and you know whatever else people are using these days. I and mean, you know, some people are using VS Code now. I mean, just why not? Because we the build tool, the build pipeline enforces formatting and there's no bike right. setting around tabs or spaces or whatever. Right. It's the same exact format for everybody.
1: I just I think those sorts of arguments. There are easy arguments to have. And they're not important arguments to have no. you know, the important argument is arguing over the name of a domain entity makes a lot of sense like is it a warehouse or is it storage you know for example like and what yeah. does it mean you know um i remember so uh, my husband does a bunch of like he he writes apps for a bunch of stuff and one of the things he was writing an app for was that it was a delivery service for restaurants and i was like they were calling the restaurants clients and i was like why don't you call them restaurants well because we might it's not just restaurants it's also like cafes obviously but also other food vendors and it might not just be food vendors it might be from the warehouse it might be a supplier right and and the other thing is the client the name client is important because it's those people who pay us not the customers the customers are the customers of the the client right right it's interesting having those sorts of conversations like that's that's the right thing to be arguing over not like am i going to use types space
0: domain modeling amazing um and this is okay so i guess that uh, this this conversation around domain modeling and your and your your fervent uh you know uh, i don't know i I love the way you approach domain modeling i love the way you approach architecture i love the way you approach java and all of its like uh, foundational pieces. You're one of the few people I whose talks on like, what's new in Java, I'll watch, you know, you Dr. Subramaniam and uh, Mala, Mala Gupta, right? Like I, I, uh, I, I, cause i I'm a Java champion. I know what's basically new in Java. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't really feel like I need to watch it, but if I see one of yours, if I see one of uh, Dr. Subramaniam's or if I see one of Mala's, uh, I'll watch it. It's the only, only three people I, I bother to watch, to learn about Java from, I don't even, I mean, uh, and it's only, and it's not because, um, I guess I'm like, there there's stuff about low level stuff. There are talks about low level things in the Java space. Um, right. And so they have to be interesting. Otherwise they're gonna be really boring. Nobody wants yes. to talk. It has to be good. And I, that's why I watch your three because I can trust you to give me a good entertaining 45 minutes or whatever it is to get from like, here's how we're gonna use Java and all these new features. Uh, and we talked about Java just a minute ago and how that has been since extricated from the core JDK. It wasn't pack, it wasn't part of OpenJDK. Anyway, it was part of Java from Oracle, right? Like the
1: God, yeah, release. probably right. I'm not sure. Probably.
0: Yeah. And maybe I maybe I'm wrong. But it, it was never like a guaranteed thing. It was just that by, by default, most people had it because they were using the Oracle one. Right. But now it's a separate thing. And then we got Java, you know, 910. I've I don't, I don't remember anything about it. I remember var. I remember that, right. that being like you know a turning point people Lions in the sand and all this nonsense. Um, uh, and then Java 11, which I don't remember, except that it was uh, the new release yeah. cadence. You know. New
1: release cadence, new licensing. Yeah. Uh, and oh, no, I think Java 9 introduced the new release cadence, but oh, okay. 11 was the was the licensing and also the removal of some deprecated stuff.
0: And was it the first LTE, or was that 9? Yeah.
1: Uh, yes, it was officially the first LTS, yeah.
0: Oh, LTS. Yeah. LTS, what am I saying? LTS. I knew what you meant. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Java 11. And that was like a minute ago, but now we're at Java t- almost 20. I mean, we're at Java 19 right now, right? Like, what month is it? Co- uh, November 19. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So we had 19. Oh, yeah. And
0: then
1: Loom came out. Some of Loom came out in 19. I haven't had a yeah. chance to look at that yet, but oh, I'm, cool. I'm really looking forward to that.
0: So, okay. Just from the stuff you've gotten a look at, what is your like, what are you excited about? I mean, there's just, just so much stuff. That's what I guess what I'm trying to get at.
1: I think since, let's say since nine, um, mm-hmm. VAR has been one of those small and interesting things. You know, I don't use it very much, especially didn't use it in the last two books because I did Headfirst Java and I did um, Getting snow Know IntelliJ IDEA. I didn't really want to add VAR too much because especially for Headfirst Java, I didn't want to take away too many of the types because, I, you know, you need new learners to learn that. But like for my sure. own code... VAR is quite nice for just getting rid of crap that you just don't need.
0: Right.
1: Um, so VAR is cool. Um, Java 9 introduced the uh, collections factory methods. So yes. list.of, set.of, which was just, there was a really underrated feature from Java 9. Everyone was talking about, about um, Jigsaw and backwards breaking changes and modularization. And yeah. all I cared about was I can say list.of and set.of right. and map.of, ha- and, mapped it off. and there was, they're, they're lovely. And I put those into, I don't have headphones, Java anymore. I put those into Headfirst Java because I'm like, you need to know about these things and they're right. cool. You know? They're
0: super cool, yeah.
1: Super and you cool.
0: Can, and you can throw away comments collections and you can throw away right. like, these five other utilities classes that everybody's written, you know? Yeah. And speaking oh.
1: of throwing away stuff, um, records. Records are great. <sighs> records are so cool. Like you just, um, and I think what records are a really good example of what the Java language uh, designers do well is they, they take something that the community's been asking for for a long time and been moaning about, we don't have this. And then they look at how it's been done. They look at Lombok and they look at what happens in Scala and they look what was it Scala and look at Kotlin. And, yeah. you know, they obviously, they do all their research on, because uh, I, I spoke to, I think it was Ron Pressler, and I said, oh, you stole this from Kotlin. He's like, no, we didn't. We stole it from something like from ages ago. <laughs> uh, and, um, and, they you know, they do their research and they figure out what works, what doesn't work, what's going to look Java-y what's going to work well with, you know, idiomatic Java. And of course, what's not going to break backwards compatibility. And, and records is one of those things which just looks so simple. You're sort of wondering why they didn't do it before, but they, it needed that time to figure out like, are Java developers ready for this? Like, how do we do it? Is it syntactic sugar or is it actually a new structure? You know, how, you know, how does all of that work? And it's so well thought out. That's why it looks easy because it's been really well thought out.
0: I couldn't agree more. And also, when they first started talking about records they always did it with this like against the backdrop of pattern matching and decomposable right. types and you can see where they're going right, right. it's not they haven't been shy. it, it wasn't just right. there's this useful feature in isolation it's this is step one of right. the journey
1: uh, right and and i think pattern matching for instance of is a really good good example of that because everyone's like i like pattern matching for instance of because you don't need to do the cast it's lovely But as a feature on its own, it's a bit like, why did you bother? (laughs) Like, it's just such a tiny thing. Well, because we we did it as the simplest step towards pattern matching. And because I've mostly only really used Java, there's a lot of features in other languages that I'm not aware of. And pattern matching is kind of one of those things. So introducing it with something like Instance of, which is sort of almost immediately understandable, you can start to build from there to go into pattern matching and switch. You're like, oh, that's nice. Right? like the decomposing towards the deconstructors and decomposing types, like this is not something I've used anywhere. So, you know, it's going to take a bit of a a step for me to go like, what is that about? Why do I need to do that? And then when you start seeing examples of it and hearing the justification for why it works, the way it does, you're like, Oh, right. I see why you can't just like shove that stuff in Java straight away, just because someone thinks it's a good idea. Well, and
0: Oh yeah. And that's the other thing is, I mean, I love Kotlin. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a big Kotlin fan. They got a lot of things right, including a lot of the things that we're about to see in Java, but they had the benefit of starting over. Right. Which is a privilege that few of us get to have. And the fact that they were able to start over as late as they did and still obtain the, uh, you know, still enjoy the meteoric meteoric rise of the language and the adaptation rates is uh, phenomenal and congrats. But what Java is doing, I think, is uh, just as difficult in that they're taking these amazing new features, these new syntaxes, these new uh, paradigms and grafting them onto this thing that is now nearly 30 years old. It's 27 right. plus years old. Right. That is so, so hard, you know? And they're doing it yeah, the that way that's backwards compatible. and Exactly.
1: I was going to say that. So I found some of oh. my old university code, which was when I was writing, uh, let me see, it wasn't AWT code. It was like, it was. I wrote my first swing app. Um, so this would have been about 2000. Yeah. so it's like you know I picked it up when my code was 20 years old and I ran it on Java I don't know <laughs> definitely more than Java eight and it right. works. It works. <laughs> and I'm like, how does my crappy code work on a more recent version of Java? Because it's right. not
0: compatible. It works. And it works and it works nicely. Try that with Angular, try that with right. even try that with Python. I love the Python community, but half of the any given library you find in the Python community is native code. Right, and and that depends on native things, and those things right. break every other minute, you know. Um, and so I mean, heck, I'm think- I'm running on Apple ARM right now. Uh, Python right. code I'd written twenty years ago, unless that's been updated to the, to accommodate ARM, will no longer work. It's just dead to me now, you know.
1: I think one of um, the things that Java developers, especially Java developers who's been doing it for a long time, yeah, or you know, or even like for the last five years or so, or whatever, they 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 don't realize how much they're benefiting from the right once run anywhere. It's like so. <laughs> So much a part of the DNA of Java. Yeah. When I look at the languages, I'm like, I don't really understand what you mean by native code, you know? Because I'm like, I just don't have to worry about that stuff. Like nope. Java, Java is just going to work on the platform that I run it on.
0: Right. And and actually, that's the I mean, Java code. You can ship some native. You can actually put a native binary for you know for for Windows, for Mac, for Linux in the jar, and the JNI code can load that dynamically, all within the class file. So, if right. there is native code, it's far from something you have to worry about, even as a transitive dependency. It's just, it's so yeah. easy to just hide that in the class path and not worry about it in Java. Yeah. Um, but it's almost never necessary because so much of our core stuff is Java. Like you get down to the very low bowels of the JDK, most of it is still just Java on top of Java. Java. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, which is not true for so many other things. Like you mentioned, uh, like collections or whatever. A lot of that is actually implemented in C in other languages, even just basic, like, here's a list of or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, not in Java, it's Java on top of Java. We use Java yeah. to implement Java. Right. Um,
1: I was having a chat, chat with um, Oracle Engineering because, you know, I'm currently between jobs and I was sure. like, interesting companies. And I was like, I was talking to Oracle Engineering, I am like, I don't think I can work on the JVM because I'm just not that smart. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, but please. like, you could work with the with the collections or any of the libraries or the APIs because it's all Java on Java. Like you know how to do that. Like, that's true. Right. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. They would be very lucky to have you. I mean, you, I know you could do anything uh, to which you put your mind. Um. And and that's why I like to learn from you, which gets us around to which brings us around to you've got two books in the wings. Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's head first. Java. I, I didn't. Yeah.
1: Let me get a head first Java copy so I can show it to okay. you. Because otherwise it's just not worth having a copy. Was this Kathy's scares old thing? Yeah. So is it, oh. This is the third edition. <gasps> got-
0: oh, you're oh that's so cool. Wow. And, um, new so- font and everything.
1: Yeah, new 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 style to fit in with it, the updated head first style. Um wow. and so what happened was so I was working with Bert years ago, like nearly 10 years ago to our idea was to bring headfirst into the Java 8 world and <laughs> so we were talking we were, yeah I was talking yeah. to him I was still at Mongo so I was talking to him like yeah 2013 2014 2014 I started talking to him um, and then I switched to work for JetBrains and we would we had a call like every single week um up until my first child was born so like for about two years we had a call every single week about like what does Java 8 look like how do we how do we get it into headfirst Java what do we do um, and then they, um, Bert and Kathy wanted to do something a little bit different with, with head first. So they kind of went away to have a bit to think about it. And then, you know, then years passed and then I find out the year before last or maybe, yeah, found out a couple of years ago, Bert and Kathy had picked it back up again. And were going to, they were going to do a, just a, a pragmatic update of, of head first to bring it closer to modern Java. Yeah. Um, and then last year, I got a phone call in September going, uh, we need someone to help finish this. And I was like, okay, what's the deadline? December. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but because I've been involved with, with Bert right at the beginning, because I was invited to do a tech review of the book earlier on in the year, so I'd already seen some of it. Um, because I knew the, you know, I knew the topic and I knew the first style. They were like... You are our number one choice to to help, but to to get it over the line because we still need to write the Java eight chapter. Um, we still need to update uh, to modern concurrency, which is something I always think I don't know very well, but like I know as well as anyone, um, sure. except for Brian, obviously. Um, <laughs> And um and so yeah, and I had to update the collections uh, stuff as well and also do like a really thorough technical review of everything else and make sure that that was for up to date. So one of the things in my head is it was really important for me to people have a, for people to have a good feel for modern iO because I don't want people to be writing the the old IO stuff that I want them to know about what happened in Java seven. And also some of the updates from, from Java eight with using streams to do, you know, files up lines and stuff like that. So lovely modern IO instead of the old input stream buffer stuff. Right. Um, So yeah, so I got asked to do that in September. And then I basically like just got my head down and I was like, let's get this done. And I didn't finish it by the end of the year. I finished it by sort of March and then it came out in May, I think very late May.
0: Congratulations. Yay. I'm gonna order my first copy.
1: And it was it was an honor to work with Bert. Like I didn't get to talk to yeah. Kathy, which I was sad about, obviously, but like um it was it was all Bert and Bert was driving it and it's an honor to work with him and, and see from like Bert and Kathy created Head First, you know, they and yeah. Headfirst First Cover is the first Head First book. And to be a part of that and to be sort of see inside their their brains of like how Headfirst is supposed to think and how he's supposed to present stuff. It was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a really challenging and especially because I have my own writing style. I have my own things that I want to do, but like head first, but was always like, we need to be thinking about the reader. Like what are they going to get out of it? But each and everything is designed in a double page spread. Whereas I'm used to writing like a blog post, you know, right. Where do the elements go? What's most important? How do you present this to the user? How do you surprise them without distracting them? And oh, it's really a huge learning experience.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, that's a, that's a, a long line a very successful line of books right that is yeah like you said that is, it's one of the most uh, probably i don't know what what is the de facto what is the most referenced java book it's probably up there in the top three right i, I don't I mean, know
1: it was still selling even the second edition which is based on java 5 was still yeah. selling um before this one came out and if anyone asks for an introduction to java book it was still headfirst java even the old second edition like it sold lots of copies.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So,
1: so there's very few introduction to Java books. There's just not that many because a lot of them build on the previous version. You know, like, like here's the Java eight version. Here's the, right. you know, so I've got like Java eight for the impatient. I've got Richard Warburton's Lambda and Streams book. You know, right. because it's so huge, a lot of the books are like a slice through like the concurrency right. book. But there's very little which kind of does right. Here is Java. This is the introduction to Java. Um, yeah. I Absolutely, think still like my favorite for for that.
0: That's amazing. That's a big. I I will definitely pick up a copy. Heads first, Java. That's O'Reilly. I'm sure I don't have to tell people that. I'm sure they know. I I, I bet there's a lot of people that got into O'Reilly through the Ed first series, right? That's I'm sure of it. I'm it's just like uh the. It's not just like, but it's it it reminds me of the Four dummies books, which I'm sure put that publisher on the map. You know right. like I don't know that I don't even know the name of the publisher but I know what a full book is right
1: like you know what it looks like, like right it's the yellow and yeah, black book
0: <laughs> yeah just get that and you know what your buying. you know what your the reading style is gonna be you know the how you're gonna learn it's it's an approachable you know hot sauce it just works so okay head first is yeah and by the way that's the other thing is you just talked about writing a book in terms of this like very it's a it's a double page spread so you've got two pages it's uh, very and, graphical Lots of graphical, uh, you know, pictures and illustrations and code and all that. Um, it's it feels like a notebook, right? Like, um, you know,
1: you're supposed to write on it. You know, it was. I mean, yeah. I, did, I I've got a bunch of headfest books which I never wrote on because I don't write on books. But no, but it's about exactly Like write on the book. That's what it's for. Oh wow, that's
0: amazing. So okay, that book, uh, phenomenal. I did the, uh, uh, my I used to do the A Press Spring Recipes book. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was also challenging. It's not the same, obviously it's different and, uh, they don't, there's no, there's no relationship, except that from an author's perspective, um, (laughs) it's, it's question and answer it's problem and solution. So you, you put forth a, how do I do this? And then there's a page or two and no more on how to solve it. It's a recipe book. It's not meant to be like, here's everything in, here's the story as it unfurls, you know, it's not about that. It's about. A logical grouping of recipes, like here's how you make it's, things it, with basil and with right. spice and whatever.
1: It's like lovely this. to have something structured like that because yeah. at first I find it very challenging to work in the sort two page spread thing. But it's lovely once you get the hang of it. You're like, look, I've got two pages or multiples of two, if you like, to sure. show a concept. And so then that really helps to focus you, like the question and answer thing. Like, what is the most important thing for the for the user to to know, for the reader to know? Whereas with a right. blog post, I'm much more like Blair like yeah. I told you when I started talking about books and you asked me how do you write and I was like I just write like this right. <laughs> and then I go in and delete most of it but that's that's right. how I write but since yeah. doing it as Java I write in a, in a very different way I'm much more like a bit more outline focused like what is yes. what are the key points let's prioritize them like even especially when you're writing a physical book like how much space should that take up you know it's 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 a really interesting way of writing
0: Very interesting, and so that's why I can't wait to read this is because I just love forcing the writer to categorize and compartmentalize and condense and restrain or I don't know, whatever the right to to something that has made the author not only understand the subject, but understand it so well that they can do it in two pages, right, is bound to have good results, right, the result will be something very well thought out because it had to be in order to make it fit that format.
1: and that's what and, takes the time. Like people think, like, how is it so difficult to write two pages? Like, it's way more <laughs> difficult than like, ten pages.
0: <laughs> you know that? What is that? I don't know who said this, but I, uh, I'm so I'm I'm sorry. This letter is so long. I didn't have time to write a shorter, shorter one. Write yeah. a shorter one. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's so true. Okay, so that's one book. Then the other book I'm really excited on, and, and this is because you're one of my go-to authorities on all things uh, JBM and and uh, IntelliJ. You've got this book on it with the uh, Helen. Uh, whoa, getting to know intelligent idea. Helen
1: Scott. Helen Scott. Yep. Me and Helen um, Scott. Yeah, and and uh, so I have a physical copy here because we printed it out a couple of weeks ago just before we were doing like the last pass. But it's it is a it's an ebook and an online book. It's not a physical book yet. Right. Um. But I, I have a physical copy, and I, I'm I'm going to print out the final one. I think just so I have right. it in my hands. You know. Are you going to do the Amazon KDP stuff? It's an option. I know that you, because you helped us a lot with like telling us how you did that stuff. Um, I also, I I am having a conversation with a publisher as well about Ah, whether whether we could do it with a publisher. Obviously, the reason, so we launched it on LeanPub. The reason we did it on LeanPub is because we knew what we wanted to do um right. we, we were we felt like we were motivated enough that we didn't need sort of external deadlines from a publisher.
0: Right.
1: Um, that it's about intelligent idea. I was kind of hoping to use a lot of my Twitter following and a lot of people who kind of know who I am for the marketing for it. Um, and then, therefore, we can take like the lovely royalties from it, you know, <laughs> right? Because if you use a publisher, they do a lot of stuff for you. But and, and that means you get you get less money.
0: Size and, really less.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Exactly. Significantly less. So, and given that it's two authors as well, we're gonna to have, to have to split that between two of us. So we we kind of weighed it up and we thought, well, let's let's go lean pub because I think we're we're gonna we uh we don't necessarily need to give away our royalties for all this other stuff that needs to happen. I think that we no. can do it for ourselves. Um. But the 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 downside is that we don't have a physical book because I haven't I haven't really messed around yet with the with the Kindle publishing. I've been mean, thinking about it. Um, we might do that, or uh, for a physical book, because the physical books are so lovely. And and our this book is is very graphical because it's got a lot of um, screenshots and stuff in. And a lot of what took the time was the screenshots, and we didn't do a lot of the layout because you know it's it's an online book. Um, right. So there's benefit in maybe getting a, a publisher to to publish a physical copy of it. Um, cool. So I don't know. Like we'll we'll think about that. For now, we wanted to publish the the ebook. We've got the EPUB and the PDF on Leanpub. Yeah. Um, and so the plan is to sort of see how it goes on Leanpub, and um, and then take it from there. Because the other thing is that IntelliJ Idea, you know, the the, the, idea, the UI has been stable for years, right? Obviously, features right. you, you, they changed the icons a few years back, but five years back. Um. But the UI and the flow has been stable for a long time. And next year they're going to change the UI. So I didn't want to print out a physical book. Helen and I didn't want to print out a physical book until we get a feel for what the new UI looks new UI looks like when it sort of stabilizes and becomes the default. So like I don't want to cannibalize sales of our book by saying, wait for the new because the new UI, I don't think it's going to be stable enough to update the book to the new UI for at least a year, um, if not more. And the the content oh, of the book will be more or less the same, I think. You know, I don't think there'll be a lot of difference in the, in things like flow and, like, right. I don't know. We'll
0: see. And can people that buy your book on LeanPub expect the updates? Yes. Uh, for, for their so purchase it. price today?
1: Yeah, so exactly. So, yes, we will be considering whatever happens. We'll be considering right. how our, our existing readers who pay full price for the book can get the right. benefit of... And we already published one update for a start. So Leanpub gives you the updates all the time, anyway. So as I love we that about them. The book, yeah, so we've found a spelling mistake and we found a couple of errors and we've kind of corrected those and, and pushed that out. So updates will be going to anyone who's paid for the book right now. Um, and yeah. then when, when the new UI comes <clears> out, the plan <throat> is, is definitely to make sure that anyone who has paid for this book and wants a copy with a new UI like can can get that in a sensible way. Whether that's, or that's awesome because it might be a separate book because it's, or a, a duplicate with the new UI because the, the new UI is kind of optional and you can kind of like, you, I can see if it's me, I might want to stick with the old UI like forever. Right. Cause right. I know it's well, I might not want to switch to the new one, new one. So yeah, there's a possibility that we might end up having like two versions. I don't know.
0: That um, makes perfect sense actually. And they are two different products of so two different experiences and I have the new UI Um actually. And really there's, three UIs, being brutally honest, right? There's the old JetBrains IntelliJ IDEA, there's the new UI, and then there's Fleet, which is- Right. I could, there, there's, yeah, totally different. And yet, it's a, it seems like that would be a That it would, eventually it's not gonna be a bad place for Java developers to land, right? right. Or Python developers, or it seems like it'll be the new IDE to end and- all IDEs, right? Like.
1: Right. I mean, that's the theory I haven't. I, I used an early version of Fleet a little while back. Um, yeah. I think that I'm not really Fleet's target audience, which is why I haven't really looked at it very much, because I love my, you know, my local setup. Inventory. I just love all of that stuff. And I haven't yeah. done a lot a lot of, um, yeah, like cloud development or whatever. Like all of that stuff is like completely new to me. I've been doing all of my stuff locally. Um, yeah. So yeah. But Fleet is an interesting product, too. Like. Well, I would like to, I would like Helen to stay working for JetBrains forever so that she can, can get all the insiders, <laughs> all of this stuff and um, and see see where things are going. Because, uh, you know, I mean, you know what it's like with IntelliJ. Every time you, when we used to have like the big versions of IntelliJ, like once a year, you right. knew that it was going to take a little while before people picked up new features or started using things in a new way. And with the new IDEs and and the new UI, again, I think that's the sort of thing that like it might take people a bit of a while to pick up and it might take a a little while for that to, I'm going to use the word stabilize, not because it's unstable, but because like as people give their feedback, things are going to perhaps change and move and improve like as it should. So, um, yeah, I I feel like I shouldn't have even mentioned this because I'm like, just buy my book because my book is great. But, it, but, you uh, know, it's I, important to know because like Helen did a, a, a webinar, I think it was only last week on the new UI. So of course people are going to say like, how does this impact the book? Well, we are 100% on top of the new UI and definitely yeah. want to make sure that that is documented as well and that the path for people who buy our book now to the new UI book should they want it is is smooth and seamless. Well,
0: does the new UI, when does that become like mandatory? I thought it was like optional, update at the moment. It's optional, exactly. So, oh, so most people will not even... They don't have no. to notice
1: it. If, if, um, I don't really know. I, um, I'm not on the inside track anymore, but usually with stuff that goes into the EAP, depending on, because the new UI is in the EAP for 2022.3, right? Um, yeah. as a, and it's an optional thing. Um, usually stuff that's in the EAP is going to be a good two or three releases out, maybe more if it's something that's going to need a lot of refining and rework. So, right. I, don't know. I
0: have it. I have into the new UI. I don't even know how to undo it. Like I'm like, I don't, I think there's a. There's like a registry back somewhere. Yeah, which is weird. Cause I'm on a Mac and we have no registry. So that's a bit of a problem.
1: Like, no, but IntelliJ, IntelliJ has a registry.
0: Oh, that's very scary actually.
1: Yeah, don't touch uh, a lot of the stuff in the registry cause it can make your UI really unstable.
0: Never anything with the registry. I, I've learned not to touch it. Just yeah. thanks to the, uh, thanks to Windows. Um yeah, okay, well, I, I have the new UI. it's fine. i have I have no issues. Um, I quite like it actually, but i i've I kind of forgot that it's still optional because I've just had it. I've been I can't I don't know how to go back. actually, uh, for some reason, I just keep updating and it's the same UI. So I figured it was just like the default uh, eh, like, and then I tried out Fleet, which is you you can see they're going they're converging on this new uh, UX, this new design style, you know, um, which is nice. I like it. It's certainly nicer to have uh, for, for you know, I dark yellow was a step in the right direction, but this feels even better, you right. know. Um, so it's fine, whatever. But most sure
1: A lot of people are gonna criticize us for not using dark mode in the book, but like, I'm not putting great big black screenshots in the middle of a white page. I'm just not- No,
0: not to mention it's bad for the ink, you know, save the- Right, exactly. It's
1: gonna cost a load more money
0: yeah um yeah I'm with you hundred percent that's a that, that book i can't I can't wait to so, see and it's interesting i'll bet I'll bet there is did you learn new things writing this book about intelligence?
1: yeah, yes, for sure because like the whole point about the book was to kind of write down the stuff that that I know um and it's and a lot of the stuff that I wanted to write down is the stuff that I do automatically without knowing that I know, which is why a lot of it's <laughs> tutorial driven, like um, the very first tutorial, people have used Intellij for a long time might think the very first tutorial is a bit like noddy and basic because it is, but it's a way to introduce each of the features, like as you're really working, I wanted it to be a bit more like my live demo, it's like This is completion. This is like I'm using completion to do this thing. I'm using smart completion to do this thing. I'm using live templates to do that thing. But in the meantime, you're building an application. So this way, by doing tutorial driven stuff, I was literally coding like I would normally code and then taking note of which features I use and how I use them. And when because the other thing I wanted to document in this book is the decisions that I make that I don't know I'm making. So, for example, there's a few, there's a bunch of different ways to run a test or an application or whatever, right? So, right. if you're in, let you use, uh, I don't know what it is, is this this keyboard shortcut, um, to right. so like to it's, it's Control Shift R to run the whole test, right? right? But if you're not in the test class and you're in a different class, you can use Run Anything or you can use Run Last Test, you know, and right. there's all these different things that you can use, or you can bring up the Run Configurations dialog. So, one of the things I wanted to do is present, not necessarily all of these ways, but present like the top three things that I use and then give them a bit of a, uh, an insight into how I decide which way to use these things. And wow. a lot of it is around staying in the flow. So yeah. I don't want to flick back to the test class to run the test using that, that shortcut. I, I'm in another class and I'm, I'm going to use run anything to run that test class so that I don't have to interrupt my concentration um so, that, so that's the, a
0: the developer's the, book
1: right it's it's For so developers. we have three three elements in the book one is one is called in the flow so it's like these these are the this is the way that that i slash we do stuff and suggest that you do stuff so that you don't interrupt your conversation interrupt your your concentration in the flow always green, which is about like the way that the reason you choose to refactor rather than just like renaming stuff is so that everything stays compiling all the time. These are the features which keep your code green all the time. And then the other element is keyboard first. So when we introduce a new feature, we do sometimes like talk about where it is on the menu, but we generally talk about it in terms of the keyboard shortcut. And we've got like summaries of all the keyboard shortcuts at the bottom of every chapter, like these are the shortcuts you need in this particular context. And right. of course you can do it like from the menu, but like even we generally don't use the menu. Like if you can't remember the keyboard shortcut, use search everywhere or use find action. Like don't right. mess around with the mouse. It's just you're not going to get anything out of it that way.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say everything is a even the stuff that even for the things that don't have keyboard shortcuts, there is command shift A or, or no shift, right. Shift shift, Yeah, one of those Control command,
1: shift, command shift A, yeah. My, uh, action. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you just search for everything. Everything has a keyboard shortcut, even if it doesn't have a keyboard shortcut, because right. you can do, you can just search for the text of the menu item and hit right. enter and it will engage that, you know, it's so brilliant. I love that. Yeah. And I've lost my keyboard foo since I discovered that feature. Right. I still know the basics, but it. I just don't need it. Like uh, everything is keyboard drivable now, which is why it's just, you know, I love it. It's like, yeah. Know, it's and
1: and that, was, that was the other thing we were trying to teach is like, the keyboard shortcuts, short sure, but also the names of the things you're looking for, so that you can search yes. for it, and so that when you when because the other thing was we we anticipate you're going to Google stuff, so we're yeah. going to give you the names of the stuff, but we're not going to give you it's not technical documentation as in you know we're you know this is smart completion and then you mm-hmm. learn about smart completion which we say like you've just used smart completion that's what this is you know um,
0: right.
1: so so yeah and and like this is we're giving you the names of the stuff but not not leading with the name of the thing, because you don't know what that thing is until you've used it, until you know what it's for. But right. we have to give you the name of the thing so you can search for it either on Google or, or in Find Action or whatever.
0: Find action. And by the way, the the, the thing I <laughs> it's a credit to JetBrains. And I and I I've been a devout user uh for for gosh, gotta be 20 years now, right? Long, long time. I'm a big fan. Even when I had jobs where I was forced to use some other ID at work, I found reasons to use IntelliJ in my evening hours or my own free time. Right, that's what I used for my own itches, my own scratch. If I had to scratch an itch, that's what I used. But uh, you know what? You know what it keeps breaking? It's not what? it's not JetBrains. It's my operating system, which every now and then changes the keyboard shortcuts that conflict with JetBrains. Right, right. But JetBrains is stable through it all. But macOS seems to like throw caution to the wind and just change it every other minute you know so every yeah. new every new operating system release I'm like okay I've got to unmap these key commands that didn't oh. previously matter to me because right. then now they're conflicting with chip rings you know intelligent yeah which is-
1: I have I think I kept and I don't think this was actually the OS I think that was me having a fat finger moment but there was there's one Mac OS uh, shortcut which is to turn on the narration thing the right oh so annoying voiceover. and and whatever it is i do in jet in IntelliJ idea i keep enabling that and i'm like i will never want this this is not the thing never <laughs> go
0: away <laughs> so annoying
1: <laughs> yeah well oh, and, and i didn't answer your question actually because you you asked me if i learned anything new when i was writing the book like, oh, the, yeah. first, the first three sections are basically largely stuff that that i kind of knew or or helen knew um And we kind of map them out in a way which is helpful for the users. The fourth part is a bit more referency. So the fourth part is um, is split into sections. Like there's there's one on version control, there's one on run configurations, there's one on like build tools. So it's a bit more sort of feature driven. And for those, there are places where like I had like a a more of a question in my head than than a thing I wanted to write about. So I'm like, there's always a thing where I don't really know how this thing works, or like I don't really know why it works that way. And then I would go off and find out like what is the like official stance on this thing or like run configurations for example is something that I know they're there I kind of know what they're for but I don't really know like <laughs> what it's for you know I just kind of right. use it you know and so right. there were some places where I really had to dive in deep and go oh right this is what this is for this is how you share them between um, other people um, and this is like I had to do a bit of some bits and pieces, tiny bits and pieces on Docker because I don't use Docker very often. So I'd have to go right. away and find that about those sorts of that things.
0: That explains why you're such a happy person.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, there were bits where I discovered it. And and there was, oh, and the dependence, this is the main thing. Again, just before we wrote the book, in fact, in the middle of us writing the book, I'd written about how to do, I'm a big fan of like Gradle and Maven and using them to manage your dependencies and getting your builds process just right so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. And, and I use, I, I've often shown how to use IntelliJ IDEA to add new dependencies to your Gradle build file or your, or, or your Maven POM. Um, and so you don't have to type it out manually or copy it from anywhere else. Um, and I've documented it a few times on the IntelliJ IDEA guide and on um, actually the, the spring tutorial I did. So I wrote all that down again. Well, I just basically reworded all of that stuff for the book. Um, and then when we came to do the screenshots in July, I was like, just checking to do the screenshots, do this, like oh that's that's all changed there's an entirely (laughs) different dependency management there's a whole dependencies window now there's a whole different dependencies flow Uh, and I was like this is somewhere where instead of documenting my usual process which helps me I'm going to have to learn about a new feature see how it works and figure out how I would use it if I was being a developer Um, and that was kind of cool because I sort of had to Forced myself to learn a new part of the tool that normally I would have been like, I'm just going to ignore that for a bit because I just I've got my way and I'm just going to do it my way. But <laughs> the new way is significantly better than the, than my way, and so oh, I, I love that. It was it was faster, it's easier, um, and it also means that whether my way there was like three or four different ways to do stuff depending on like where you're coming from and what your mindset is, and I could just do all of that. So like, don't need any of that. Just do it this way. It's the best way to do it, you know. <laughs> so that was really nice. But I love you know, that. I,
0: you that you were rewarded for investing your time. It's not right. always true I, yeah. there's a new thing, and people say you should learn it and take time to learn it. And it's like i didn't I, I'm still gonna use the old one. it's fine this it didn't right. buy me anything you know right. um i I feel like uh, certain build tools change things every other week uh you know, and it's like i what, what? It, I, I don't want it's a build tool. stay still, don't move. Yeah. I've got enough things in my code proper right moving that I don't really want to worry about you know, the floor is lava, you know, it just, it should just stay still, you know, yes, um, play whack-a-mole with your build tool compilers. Come on. That's not how I want to roll. Yeah.
1: Um, I think one of, the, one of the downsides of staying really up to date with Java was, was the fact that, and it, I don't blame the build tools at all, but the build tools are like really having to play catch up if I'm using an early access oh, yeah. for Java that's not even out yet. Um, uh, Poor old maven and gradle are like look dudes we like we don't even compile against this thing yeah. yet we've got no chance
0: yeah. you know <laughs> no chance yeah it's not their fault that java is now moving super fast which is great it's a good problem to have but it is a problem you know for some people yeah. um okay so this book i am gonna i cannot wait to read it i am just excited that somebody is smart and and deeply uh, uh invested in the tools and I've seen your presentations and one of the reasons that you're so compelling and as you just said one the reason they hired you was that you make great use of IntelliJ and you have for years and you're comfortable enough that you can do really compelling funny educational performances on stage in front of large groups of audiences or people uh so the fact that somebody like you was still able to go into this process and emerge with new things in hand new shiny bubbles to to play with and teach and talk about
1: that makes me want to read this book all the more um I don't want to underplay what what helen's done though because i know it's a bit about like my knowledge and my stuff and what was great about working with helen is that because she's new ish to the ide she she really brought the the beginner's mind to it because i was just like you just do this and she was yeah. like yeah, but what is why? that and why do you why do you do it that way and like. <laughs> you it, you know? so um, she was always great at challenging me and going like the, the reader doesn't know what you're talking about like yeah they you know because and especially as you're talking about conferences and stuff when I'm talking to conferences I'm talking to experienced developers often quite senior developers and so yeah. it has, and I've been developing for over 20 years it's yeah. quite challenging for me to remember what it's like as a either new to Java or new to the IDE and Helen was fantastic mm-hmm. for that because yes. she was like look I think I know what you're talking about, but you got to be way clearer and slower about this thing. Or if you, if there was a bunch of stuff, because we're trying to pitch the book at both new to IntelliJ and experienced developers, which is really difficult to do. And um, sure. you know, she was like, look, if we don't want to cover it in the book because it's a little bit off topic, can you point to somewhere else, like somewhere on the internet or somewhere that has explained this before? Like, yeah, sure, because I know where all of that stuff is. So right. uh, Within the book, we've got loads of links to where we do talk about more. For experienced developers, like we do this in more detail over here, and there's more about this and more of this. And for new developers or new to IntelliJ ideas, like we're not going to cover we're not going to cover installing it because it's the installation page. We're not going to cover your first Java application because I've already got a YouTube video about that for for JetBrains. Go away right. and read, right? Yeah. Then come back, right?
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, so. Okay, this book is going to be like I said i'm going to get it it's by the way it's it's nearly Christmas time yes. so if you're wondering what what stocking stuffers to get your get the uh, the developer that you care about <laughs> or for yourself, yeah. uh, then then you know I know what I want um okay where do uh, you know I, i'm lucky enough that you. Uh, for whatever reason respond to my messages on Twitter uh, and and uh, but what about other people, are you, on the, are you on the Internet, do you want to be found and if so. Uh, where yes. do people find
1: you so yes i am on twitter for as long as twitter remains alive
0: yeah.
1: um, i'm trisha G-E-E as um uh, on twitter but i'm also um trisha dot g, trisha, g dot com, trisha dot oh my god i can't even spell my own name <laughs> t-r-i-s-h-a-g-e-e.com yes um, so the, my website provided that i keep paying for my domain which i sometimes forget um, should yeah. remain like the constant stable place but you know obviously i'm i'm on twitter i'm now on mastodon um Yay. i'm trisha g all one word uh i'm on i actually have an instagram where i take like photos of and stuff but that's not really my techie thing well that's um, cool trisha is probably your best place to find me to to figure out where else to find me that makes sense
0: awesome uh this has been. Trisha Gee, like Java Champion, uh, Mad Scientist, Engineer, Teacher, Published Book Author, Keynote Speaker, and uh, just an amazing person. Thank you for taking the time.
1: Oh, thank you for talking to me for an hour and a half. Uh, I, if your listeners have made it this far, they they deserve like an applause.
0: I, I'm going to listen to it again. This is a really good conversation, and I learned a lot. And I'm sure the audience will as well. And by the way, I start, you know, if I'm really excited, I, I you know, I when i any any guest i can say i learned a lot from is those are my favorite guests the favorite episodes you know the ones that i just can't wait to give what i just got to somebody else you know i want to share that with people so this is going to be this is definitely up there thank you so much
1: thank you this has been fun
0: I sampled music from Steve Combs' Them from Morning in Springtime and Steve Combs' Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com patreo forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.